what's up, guys? And welcome to the Movie Newbie Podcast with me, Jabril, the Movie Newbie, and the two aficionados, Ollie and Raf. So enjoy the show. Yo, what's up, guys? And welcome back to the Movie Newbie. I'm your host, Jabril, the host with the most. Sometimes I like toast and sometimes I like Sunday roast. As usual, I'm back with Raf. (laughs) And Ollie, the two aficionados. How about you guys say hello? Ollie first, maybe? Hey. Happy New Year, everyone. It is. Yeah. Ha- yeah. Yes. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Actually, actually, before we start, I need to shout out the legend, a legend of comedy. Um, and I think we should have a few moments of silence for the legend that is Betty White. Oh, yeah. 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 Passed away on, on uh, December 31st, right? Indeed, indeed. Okay. So maybe a little 10 seconds of silence for the legend. Betty White, to never be forgotten. Oh, we're still doing it. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Raph. Yeah, I know. Literally, I, we had three seconds left. It's all right. I can edit it out. I can edit that out. <laughs> I can I put it in the I was thinking, I was. Or the 10 seconds of silence. I was thinking this is probably not the best radio, but um, I, I do appreciate the. Uh, the little tribute mm. there to Betty White because you know she was almost a hundred yep. years old. Damn. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Amazing. Almost a century. Indeed. Um, we had another passing as well. We had we had Jean Jean Marc Vallée who uh, also passed recently, um, who was oh, a, yeah. a, a filmmaker who, which who I adored. Who did Dallas Buyers Club. Um, he wrote Demolition. He uh, helped produce and write uh, Big Little Lies. Just a yeah. Guy who was, you know, heading towards mm-hmm. towards great things and already had done great things. Um, yeah, indeed. Oh, baby. Oh, baby. Yeah, if you if you hear that, that's that's <laughs> probably me. So so I think we need to like give the listeners a heads up. Uh, I'm in Singapore and I'm yep. recording this uh, in Singapore, and my house is really, or my apartment is really, my parents' apartment uh, is really echoey. And uh, so you'll hear noises. You'll probably hear jungle ambience. You'll hear babies crying. You'll hear me <laughs> coughing, but that's like a regular thing. Um, and Jabril, why don't you, where are you? Where are you at in the world? Yeah. Uh, I'm in Bahrain at the moment. Managed to get to Bahrain after my COVID incident. I think that's what we were talking about in yeah. the last episode. But um, yeah, I'm, so I'm in the middle of like a farm-ish area. So you might hear some roosters, some... What else? What, uh, cows, camels. So, yeah. So I'll just say I'm very jealous of you guys. I'm not anywhere interesting or special. I'm still in London. Boring. I did go away briefly. And now I went away to France for a little bit. I brought my microphone all that way with me with the intention of recording episodes while we were <laughs> yeah, there. And it did not happen. So That's, that's on yeah. me. That's on me. We won't have to, you know, we don't have to like, we don't have to talk about that. But um, we can just brush it past. You know, it's a, it's a thing of the past. It's, 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 yeah. it's a thing of 2021. We're now in 2022. Come on, let's move on. It's let's a thing of 2022. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. So last year. Um, but we have something that we do want to talk about. Mm-hmm. I think Ali needs to introduce this thing for us. How about you tell us what we're talking about today? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so we, we got into it a little bit last episode on the bonus ode, but just for those of you who don't remember, we are now stepping into a new theme, the brand new theme for a brand new year, and that is um, the film noir genre. Or we haven't, kind of, we haven't come up with a pithy title for this theme yet, but basically mm-hmm. this is one of my favorite genres, and I really thought it was high time that we started digging into it properly on this podcast. And so for the first episode of this theme, we're going to be talking about Carol Reed's 1949 classic British film noir, The Third Man. So yeah, as I mentioned, this was a film that was uh, released in 1949. It's set in post-war Vienna. It has some fantastic actors in it. Joseph Cotton, Alida Valley, Orson Welles, Trevor Howard. It's based on a script and a novella written by the um, legendary novelist Graham Greene. And it's generally considered to be one of the most important films of all time. And that's just not my own personal opinion here. The British Film Institute voted The Third Man the greatest British film of all time in 1999. And in uh, 2011, it was ranked the second British film ever, best British film ever by critics for the Time Out magazine. So yeah, it's, it's highly regarded in the film scene. It's cherished by a lot of people all the world over. In fact, actually, this is a little interesting tidbit. Uh, for all, some of you may recognize that name, The Third Man. 
from uh, Jack White's uh, label. Mm. So Jack White runs a label mm-hmm. as well as a series of uh, record shops called Third Man Records. And mm-hmm. uh, apparently he was, he, you know, took this from the, he named his label after this film because mm-hmm. he must, you know, think something of it. So, yeah, I was just really excited for us to talk about this. And, but now I'm going to shut up for a moment and let you guys tell me what you thought of the film. So, um, uh, Raf, how about we go with you first? Yeah, uh, totally. I mean, <clears throat> film noir was definitely something that we were going to go into at some point. Um, and I love the fact that we're dissecting it um, with this first film uh, because this first film is uh, one that I heard about and one that I've talked about um, with my with my dad constantly um, throughout our, mm. our time watching movies. And it's something that I've never dived into. Um, so to where your, your dad was a fan, my dad's a big fan of this film. film. So that's why I was like, Hey, well coming up is this film. Do you want to watch with me? And he's like, absolutely. So we, we, we sat by the couch and we turned the TV on and the movie played and it was just, yeah, I, I bawled over and it was, it was, it was absolutely, you know, marvelous. Um, it was something that I had not anticipated to be this glorious, um, but it was, it really made an impression. And I think that's what um, the film, you know, it, it stand the test of time because of the impression it made. Um, and, you know, this is a film that was what, in 1949, and it's still being talked about to this day. Um, you know, it, that, that tells you a lot. Um, and I was just, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just thoroughly impressed, um, especially with its use of, of Dutch angles. Uh, it's great cinematography. It's amazing score. I fell in love with that music. Holy moly. Mm. I, I saw my Spotify. I, like, listened to it daily since. Um, it's a great piece of writing. And, I mean, the performances all across the board are terrific. And Orson Welles, I mean, he doesn't come in, you know, with an I didn't even notice. I thought he, Orson Welles was just going to appear, you know, first scene and be like, oh, cool, here he is. And I was like, well, wait, wait, here's Orson Welles. Um, and then he doesn't come into an hour uh, in the film. And I think he has only 15 minutes or less of screen time and the impact that yeah. man has. Holy fuck. Yeah, Excuse me. Right but I mean, like, that is Orson Welles right there. You know, that is, that is the man, the myth, the legend, just like stealing the show, like with 15 minutes of screen time. Woo! All right. And that's me. All right. All right. Jabril, yeah, let's hear um, it from you. Yeah, so for me, I think this is what? So this is now our fourth OG movie. Uh, let's say pre-60s mm. movie or pre-50s. Um, did you guys watch it in black and white as well? There's no, like, recolored version of it. No, that, I don't think I, – I, 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 so. I, I would – I mean, I hope there's no colored version would be of this. Weird. I don't think anyone would yeah. touch that no. with a 10-foot barge mm-hmm. bulb just because mm-hmm. the cinematography, the lighting, the the shadows mm. from this film are so mm-hmm. – yeah, so uh, which is like sensational. Noir, yeah, right? abso- absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. To color a noir would be sinful. Yeah. Mm. yeah, exactly. So, like, my experience with at least no- the noir genre is more with like reading rather than okay, movies. interesting. I've never, I don't think I've ever seen any noir films unless I, I, I can't really think of them off the top of my head. But uh, watching this was really cool. I really like the um, the use of Dutch angles. I think Raf, mm. you mentioned it, um, which is like something that I recently mm-hmm. learned about so um i really liked that it was kind of i don't know how it just set the scene and especially the the setting oh my gosh yeah. like they managed to do it in in mm. vienna like austria um i thought that was really cool obviously um the performances of the main characters i really liked uh the guy who was m later on or q was he m or q from james bond um the, the trevor howard guy. no trevor. Ooh, uh yeah, trevor, trevor howard <clears throat> doesn't he isn't he m I, in the later I later on, I don't so. think no, so. Sure so. Um, Do, are you saying like Trevor the Howard. the guy who played M in um like uh, uh in the, James Bond in the Pierce Brosnan films, like in Goldeneye and stuff? Was it? I don't know. Th- it was in um, shit. I don't know. I can't remember which one it was now. <laughs> but anyways, uh, I really like this movie. Noise. Really cool. um, oh, I'm, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna check that right now and then I'll yeah let you guys I, I feel like <clears throat> I feel like the OG I mean what you call them the OG films um, I think you've liked 
if not all of them, uh, most of them, which is really inspiring. I didn't like the Christmas one. You didn't uh, like it. You didn't like it's a wonderful, it's a wonderful life. life. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, uh, two out of three. Like two out of three. Yeah. Right. I, I, you you like Rear Window, um, and you like this one. Um, so you know, mm-hmm. old 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 vintage cinema or like the golden age cinema is still having an impression on the movie newbie, which is like amazing. You know, these are these are films that have like, um, you know, paved the way towards cinema, especially American cinema, British cinema. Um, you know, and then we're going to look at, you know, the OGs of Jap- Japanese cinema and, you know, hopefully that will. But, yeah, it's, it's really cool to see um, uh, the movie newbie impression on these um, black and white films. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm I mean, I'm not trying to to sound patronizing at all, <laughs> Jabril, but I was I wasn't sure how you're going to feel about this movie, because, you know, I know that you have um, <clears throat> you've had you've expressed uh difficulties in the past with um certain kinds of pacing issues from older films but um mm-hmm. it was i think it was pretty good it no, wasn't long no it's it's a yeah it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a relatively short film mm-hmm. and it's uh and it, i think this it just thrusts you into the story really yeah. quickly like it doesn't waste any time and i think that's mm-hmm. really great at hooking people and i mean i think like the central investigational conflict at the heart of this film is is set up in less than five minutes. I mean, it literally just opens with like one minute of, of narration. Then you throw um, uh, what's his what's his name um, Holly Martin's mm-hmm. the main character played by Joseph Cotton. You have him arriving in Vienna, and within a couple of minutes, he learns that his best friend, the man who got him there in the first place, Harry Lyme, Lyme is apparently dead. And then he's and then he meets the sergeant, the uh, no, sorry, Major Calloway. Mm-hmm like several minutes afterwards and then he's just in the thick of it yeah i mean i i think that's i uh, that's the beauty of noir i think because it doesn't waste i mean the 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 the, the genre itself doesn't waste time on like grappling or a kind of taking the audience in um from the get-go and I know some noir films do take their times, but there's always this like underlying mystery that you're like, oh, I am watching something I do not understand. What's going on? You are always investigating with the film. And that's why I love noir, because you're it's a constant investigation on a mystery, on something, on a murder, on a mm-hmm. there is something always mm-hmm. carrying you, um, thrusting you forward. The narrative isn't just like, this is the movie. It's like, no, this is what breadcrumbs are looking like throughout the film. Yeah, and, and that's what I love about the noir genre too is that the reason they are – I find them to be often quite contemplative, thoughtful, mm. and thought-provoking stories. But on the surface, they're nearly always detective yeah. stories. They're always mysteries. Mm-hmm. So And they're mm-hmm. and they're usually adapted from – you alluded to this a little bit earlier, Jabril, but they're usually adapted to uh, from novels or like pulpy detective yeah. stories. Mm-hmm. And so – So, yeah. So that, Especially for me, it was comic Exactly. Books. So they're not um, – they're not inaccessible. These are these are stories and films that are made for the general movie going public, or they mm. were. So they're not hard to get into. There is there is a, there is a hook there with the story. Mm. There is a world that you're being drawn into, and then it's using that as a vehicle to ask more probing questions about about humanity, about um, about the world we live in, about the lies that we tell one another, yeah. about mm-hmm. uh, often the absence of morals in a post-war world. Mm. And so they, that's something I'd, I mean, there's so much to dive into in this film, but maybe let's start with the setting because I know that made a really big impression yeah. on you, Jabril, and I know that's one of my favorite yeah. aspects of the film. Mm-hmm. So this is a, a really cool example of uh, a subgenre of noir films that has been called the post-war noir. And this is mm-hmm. this has to be the ult- one of the ultimate post-war films because it is literally- Can I ask a question though yeah, before sure. we get into that? So would you consider this, okay, post-war or pre-Cold War? Because it has like a very Cold War vibe kind of to it. Like That's really interesting. I mean, Americans and the British and the, and the French. I think, uh, I think it's... Yeah, the Russians. Yeah, yeah I think it's both both a post-war and mm-hmm. <laughs> and a Cold War uh, thriller in many well, aspects. Because, because post-war, it's, post-war yeah. followed, the, what, what followed post-war is the Cold War. Yeah, the Cold, mm-hmm. I mean, the Cold War obviously was really... Uh, heating up or getting colder i don't know yeah i mean it was starting to the 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 dynamic between the superpowers uh between mm-hmm. russia and the rest of the world was starting was still forming it w- they they still had an uneasy mm-hmm. alliance by this point but 
the yeah. the kind of the con the the tensions were were brewing at this point, mm-hmm. and yeah, and you can see that here in this film. But mm-hmm. on the surface, it is more specifically about the legacy of World War II and what happened immediately afterwards. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that that sense of distrust, that political sort of uneasiness, mm-hmm. that is one hundred percent present. And so that's a really good point that you picked up on. I, I really like that. Yeah, because you could see it, especially right in the beginning mm. with the with the setting, the way they kind of like divide the entire place into. Four it's kind of like Berlin. It's kind of like how what you'd see in Berlin a few years yeah. afterwards with East and West Berlin. Mm. Indeed, yeah. yeah, indeed, yeah. So um, you, I think you were asking me about the. Oh yeah, the sorry, setting. the setting. So right? no, I mean, yeah, we just wanted to talk about the setting. So uh, I think, yeah, I think the setting is one of the real MVPs of this film. It's just. Mm-hmm. So it, it kind of reminded me a little bit, actually, different genre, but it reminded me of like a setting from the Wild West because what's mm. it? What you kind of want for a story like this, where you have people sort of having to go into an underworld and f- find the truth out for themselves, is you want kind of like a lawless backdrop. It's like that town that's been taken over by you know some evil, I don't know, outlaw or something like that, and and you're getting that a little bit with this post-war Vienna because you have the presence of all of these different militaries and all these different countries and powers, but mm-hmm. it seems to be a breeding ground for crime. You know, it doesn't seem, mm-hmm. it seems like a place that nobody's really watching closely what happens because there's all this illegal trade going on. There's all this sort of duplicitous activity. And I just, I yeah. love that about it. You know, it seems, it's almost like, you know, in those, uh, there's that joke about international waters. You can get away with anything in international waters. Yeah. That's what this feels like, because mm-hmm. especially at the center of this Vienna, where most of the action happens, there's no one single government that's claiming power. Mm-mm. Yeah. Yeah. And especially with like the, um, I, I just like the, the play on like jurisdictions and stuff like yeah. that. Like how, um, what was her name? Um, a leader. The, Anna Schmidt. Anna Schmidt, yeah. yeah. Was it? Mm-hmm. Anna Schmidt. Um, like, with her passport mm-hmm. thing and, like, how they didn't have jurisdiction. Like, they were trying to, like, um, what was his name? Um, Major Callaway. Cal- uh, Major Callaway. Mm-hmm. I was like, come on, just, like, let her let it slide and stuff. And the Russian guy was like, no, we can't. And, um, mm. yeah, sorry. We, we keep veering off of this the setting. I keep wanting mm-hmm. to talk about the setting. Um, uh, I think what really makes the setting look really nice was when um harry lime first shows up and you see his like silhouette mm, in that doorway yeah. and how it's like him and then it's the doorway that frames him and then the building frames that and then with the angle of the camera to the side a little bit and it's just like holy shit is smile. he there who is that looking at mm. us and then he's gone and yeah exactly ah. um so that's really cool and speaking of uh orson wells apparently he was a piece of shit during the filming of this video uh, this movie. i mean he's he's a, he's a legendary um, also yeah, leg- in general, legendary so. oh okay ass. okay i didn't know that yeah yeah <laughs> so apparently he was like during the, the the shooting of this movie he was like going around youtube uh going around europe everywhere going on youtube and like just not youtube no they didn't have that uh, but he was like traveling around europe and they had to like get doubles to do like certain mm-hmm. shots and then he like refused to get into the sewers so they had to build a set of the sewers and like reused shots of the sewers, which I found pretty funny at the end of the movie when they were like running through mm-hmm. the same bits of like uh, yeah. setting of the setting. Um, and he only yeah, worked. So, he only worked one week in terms on this film. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, uh, Carol Reed had to like sub for him mm-hmm. for certain shots. Yeah, I think I think for yeah. the uh, mostly for the 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 chase in the in the. In the sewer system yeah. at the end of the film, mm-hmm. uh, which is, yeah. I mean, unbelievable. But maybe we'll yeah. talk about we'll, that later. We'll get but yeah, I, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I love the, I loved what you, you got out, yes. touched out there about the, uh, the shadows. Uh, I just love like uh-huh. the, the streets are often empty in this film. They're like completely cleared of people. And so I'll let you talk in a second, Raph. But um, I love just you have several scenes where one of the characters walking and there's the shadow of someone behind them, and the shadow mm-hmm. just ends up looming like 30 feet tall over over these walls of destroyed ruined mm-hmm. buildings and it's just so damn atmospheric mm-hmm. you know it's it's mm-hmm. it's it's very um german expressionist in a way but yeah anyway raf mm-hmm. what, did, what did you want to say uh, no i i i love the i love the points that you're all making and i i love um how jabril um was really excited about talking um about the location about using vienna as as mm. as kind of um the pinpoint 
for uh, the setting and the story and the narrative. Um, and I, that's a great example of how you um, introduce uh, uh, an, mm-hmm. an environment as a character. So I, I loved that what they did with mm-hmm. Vienna, and you know Vienna is not just the, this place that they're the characters are in, uh, you know, and stories in, but it's 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 an actual character within the story that moves through the story and through the narrative, um, and it's always part of the it's you know post-war Vienna uh, is such a seedy place, you know, with its location and its imperial backdrop. And I love that. I love that um, they use the atmosphere and the environment to enhance the story itself, um, not just figuratively, but literally with shadows. Um, and yeah. and it's, yeah. it's that's like a prime example of like how to use the environment. Um, yeah, for 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 you and for for the story and for the characters. Um, so I, I love that. I love that you made that point. Um, you're learning. Mm-hmm. I think that, especially in the yes, opening sequence, yeah. I think that's very, very apparent 100%. in the opening sequence when they're talking about, like, they just introduced Vienna. Yeah, very, that montage. Um, that's the director as well, yeah. by the way. It, intentions, right? Mm. Oh, was it Carol the Reed. director? The director was narrating. narrating. The director was narrating that sequence. Mm. Yeah, but sorry, continue. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Oh, and then also, uh, Sergeant Payne was M for the first eleven James hey. Bond movies. Oh, fun well facts done. right there. Oh, yeah, that's stuff. that's the guy. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> oh, I, I, I was like confused. It's like one of the police officers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I had no. I, I did not recognize movies. him at all. I mean, I haven't actually seen one of the old, the original Bond movies in since I was a, a kid, probably. Yeah. Um, yeah. He was the one that always looked really familiar. But anyways, yeah, yeah. Also, one of the most likable characters in the film, Sergeant Payne. He was. Yeah, yeah. He truly. was really he bummed was. out when he died. Mm. Um, yeah. But uh, I. Yeah. The uh, um, I, another aspect of the setting, not just not just in terms of the visuals, I really like what the economic and social realities of this post-war Vienna, how this changes and transforms all of the characters. So that when you arrive there, you see you see it come up as a theme throughout the story that a lot of people who live there, the residents of Vienna, didn't think they would have to go to the ends that they do to sort of survive or do the kind of things that they have to do. But the realities of the world that they live in now, of this world that they inhabit, means that they have to just to survive. Or like the war has <clears> has <throat> has changed them. Like you see that with the um the uh, what's it the local character. Is it oh, um is it Baron? Yeah, the Baron? Baron Kurtz. Kurtz, yeah, Kurtz. Yeah, the Baron. Exactly. He has that great that great ca- uh, speech at the cafe mm. early on with Holly Martin's character where he says, mm. you know, I didn't my father, you know, my father would be I, I can't remember what the line was, but he's like, my father would never have seen me doing this. I would never have seen me doing any of this, getting involved mm-hmm. in any of this sort of crime and underworld activity until the war. But now it just seems like it's, you know, it's second habit. Yeah. So, and yeah. you have it with Anna Schmidt too. Like the first time we meet her, she asks if he wants whiskey. And when he says no, she's like, great, I was going to sell it anyway. Like everyone here has to have a- It's a hustle. Has to be peddling something. Yeah. Has to yeah, exactly be hustling to survive because there's no way to make an honest living mm-hmm. anymore. I think it was, it was- uh, when Holly asked the Baron, he was like, uh, "What was um, Harry Lime getting up to?" And he was like, "Everyone's getting yeah, up to everyone, something. everyone's yeah. up to there something." Was some in Vienna. Line like yeah. that, where he's like, "Yeah." So I really like that line, and it just kicks off. The yeah, and again, thing because then you start yeah. getting these like, "Oh, what is this? Bread crumbs, what is that? Bread crumbs. Oh, what? Yeah. little yeah, crumb, yeah, yeah, crumbs, yeah. crumbs here, or there." Yeah, it's it's yeah. it it really it really yeah. propels you um, to further investigate the story yourself, right? It doesn't. It really, it's one of those movies that um, it doesn't, it doesn't let you be just a passive viewer. It wants you to engage. It wants you to lean forward in your seat. It wants you to, to, yeah, to go on this journey with these characters, especially with um, Cotton, um, Joseph Cotton, who, you know, plays Holly Martins brilliantly. It's, I mean, he's fantastic in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that that's that's the best thing about about this film i think is because you you are searching you are looking um and you know then the big reveal happens um but that's also part of the narrative of the racketeering of the sneering of like um this kind of uh yeah the the, the kind of clandestine um activity that goes on in vienna and harry lime um is is part of that right he is the one who kind of takes away diluted penicillin and uh, for his own profit, for his own gain. Um, And, you know, and there's that level of seediness. And then there is just your casual hustling of like, I'll sell this for a bit of quiche, you know? 
Um, so there's like yeah. levels to it, and then it just becomes that. It's so multifaceted. The 100%. entire film is crazy. Yeah, yeah. It's because um, you never you never imagine the story the 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 the, uh, uh, the conspiracy at the heart of this would go so deep. Mm-hmm. You know, at first it just seems to be. Oh, was this what happened to my friend? Yeah. Like, who was this other person who witnessed his death? Could he have possibly been killed on purpose, mm. or what was he getting himself into? Did he make some enemies? And then next thing you know, you find out that he's potentially involved in this crime that has led to the mm. death and um, you know uh, injury uh, of, um, yeah. severe illness and injury. Yeah, of of potentially hundreds of small children and innocent people. It's fucked up. Like that's like proper like genocide. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's yeah. It's really fucked up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I ju- I just had a thought. Um, would would Rear Window be count? Like, can you count that as a noir film, or was that like like what really makes it noir? Well, here's the thing. So, Is and it- I'm really glad you. Mm. Yeah, I'm really glad you brought nice. that up because I didn't want some opportunity over the course of the next few episodes to maybe introduce uh, some of the tropes. And the hallmarks of the noir genre, because, you know, you mm. mentioned earlier, Jabril, that you don't think you'd ever seen a noir film and the answer. And there's no way you can't have seen a noir film, because mm-hmm. even if a film isn't referred to as film noir, it's such a mm-hmm. massively influential genre, not just on crime films, but mm-hmm. all sorts of films. That You've definitely right. seen plenty of films or, or it consumed a lot of content that will have the DNA of noir. Mm-hmm. It's so broad mm-hmm. at this point. But um, mm. so I don't know if Rear Window would be dis- Described as a noir necessarily because there there is the shadows there is the you get the sh- you get the sh- like kind of investigation yeah yeah but like- yeah that's true mm-hmm. that's all true I'll, I'll say this though it's yeah it's 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 got elements of it but I think what really makes what makes Third Man like an unequivocal film noir is the following um, you know it it deals a lot in moral ambiguity that's the biggest thing about mm-hmm. about the the genres mm-hmm. that deals in worlds in which there is. Uh, it's a it's an American genre in it, and I, I heard it introduced in a really described in a really interesting way. Someone said that uh, film noir is a mixture of European cynicism and post-war American angst. So the noir mm. film noir as a genre really emerged from America following World War II because it was a time in which the classic all-American values of decency, honesty, God-fearing um, people were kind of shook basically mm. because they had gone through these two world wars that decimated the people, stripped down concept, stripped down uh, people to their bones, really showed the ugly side of humanity. And so what you had as a result was this genre in which people, often these uh, slightly dubious anti-hero protagonists are searching for the truth in a world where mm-hmm. there is no clear truth, there's no apparent truth, there's no set of code that people follow. Mm-hmm. And, okay, other elements of the noir genre, you get... Um, yeah, the, the protagonist will be usually questioning, uncertain. They'll be acting as a detective, as you get with Holly Martin in this film. Mm-hmm. You get complex and thorny plotting, another element of this film. You get a really excessive sense of style, mm-hmm. you know? You get a lot of cha- mm-hmm. what they call chiaroscuro lighting, heavy black on light shadow forming, mm-hmm. which creates a sense of light, you know, light and dark, good and evil, mm-hmm. and whatever is existing in between. Very, very bad. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Very Batman. Oh, oh, Batman. Right? When, is Batman? Yes. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Uh, Batman's yes. influenced by okay. noir. For okay. Sure. Okay. Sure. Okay. 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 Because like, okay. Cool, so, cool, cool, cool. so noir films were often comics, adapted man. from like pulpy detect, from like pulpy mm. detective novels, right? And mm. Batman is a detective first and foremost. You don't get yeah. that from a lot of the movies that you see these days. But when the character yeah. was first made, he's a detective. He, he solves crimes. I mean, they, they were, and yeah. so it would have been influenced by these pulpy novels, mm. which went on to influence noir. So yeah, it's all connected. Yeah. Sorry, Rob. So that's kind of like the new one that's coming out. It's quite. I feel like that one's guess. going to definitely be the closest thing to the detective comics of mm. that time because they were called the Batman comics were called right. detective comics back then. Um, oh. oh shoot! Yeah, from the I, I'd say like the forties to the fifties, they were like issued right. the, their issues were detective comics number blah 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 blah, and the Batman mm. was in the detective comics. Um, okay. But yeah, that's it, it, yeah. That was a fantastic summary. I mean, obviously, it's our theme, so I expect no less. Yeah. But um. Wow. But yeah, an incredible <laughs> sense of mood is what I'll uh, is what I'll also. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All these giving faces now. Uh, we we've boosted his ego. Let's 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 dilute it down a little bit now. 
Um, come back to Earth. Um, but yeah, there's there's an incredible sense of mood, I think, as well, right? Um, I, I feel like Ollie, if you agree with me, say just nod, uh, just keep nodding. Um, but also, the term was originally um, applied by a group of French critics um, to yeah, to American thriller oh, or okay. detective. Okay, films. ref. <laughs> oh, here we go. Oh, ref, you step it on my turf now, man. We, 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 <laughs> Oh, I see how it is. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, is, exactly. it is a French this word. Is, uh, right? Yeah. This is yeah. post. <laughs> huh? No, oui. exactly. What? No, no. I mean, it's it's in the it's in the title. It's in the title. Um. So uh, no, that's uh, w- sorry. W- that's a really good point. I actually had completely forgotten that. So. I well, got you. I morning. got you. Was it like the car? It wasn't. It wasn't the. It wasn't the Cahiers du Cinema critics that um coined that phrase was it i don't know which specific critics it were uh because i didn't make my i didn't do the research but um yeah it was it was some <laughs> french critics <laughs> yeah well i want to touch upon what you said raf about yeah. the mood mm. and i think the mood was definitely enhanced by what you said earlier i the score oh now, nice connection the score is incredible because at first, I found it a little annoying. I, mean, I can't lie. I first like, yeah. like the, the opening credits. I don't know this. What it was a banjo no, or like a? It's a specific. It's a zither. Yeah, zither. It's yeah. It's not exactly what it is, but that strummed instrument or whatever. And it just I found it annoying. And then no, no, it's it's definitely it a zither. It's zither. Yeah. I, I don't know what it was. <laughs> but we're, it, the way we're, tell, just we're like telling you. Blends into, <laughs> telling you. We're telling you, though, it's a zip. I get it. I got it. Jabril's like, yeah, who can say? Maybe it's a zip and maybe it's something else. No, it's definitely a zip. <laughs> Whatever it is, at the time, I didn't know what it was. So I thought it was a tiny little guitar. That's yeah, what yeah, I'm trying sure, to say. Sure. <laughs> but I quickly got over it because it kind of blended yes. into the movie and then you just kind of then it takes you on this journey of mood and like how each and every person has their own mm. little theme. Like, um, I think even the Holly, like Holly's theme was like, uh, on the charts for a bit because it was so like popular yeah. and because this movie was. was so popular. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. Just what do you guys think of the score? How, like, did you think? Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, I mean, like, like I said, I've, I've listened to it daily since, I mean, uh, the music composition perfectly blends itself to, to the narrative, to the story, to the characters, um, to the mystery. Um, and I think because it's a little, um, I don't know, there's something inquisitive about it. There's something that's like, what? What's going question mark to this music? <laughs> I think that's me being me. That I, I, at least that's how I felt. It was like, oh, wait, what's going on in this film? What's what's happening here? Um, like I think it's it's just brilliant guitar melody, terrific score that just yeah, it beautifully captures the essence of this film and the tone, um, and it just yeah. has a beautiful blend that that keeps you uh, yeah, that keeps you guessing. It's almost a question mark music, I'd say. I mean, that's not even like a no. That's that's a really interesting way of putting it. Yeah, I, I really like the score too. But although I completely can empathize with your initial reaction to it, Jabril, because um, it is it is it is it is. It's atypical, right? Like it's not the kind of music you'd expect to hear from this during this film, and that's that's and that touches on something I just like to briefly discuss, which is that despite the fact that Third Man embodies many of the classical uh, tropes of the noir genre, it also deviates from them in really interesting ways. Because this is the first noir film that we're talking about. It's 1949. It's a while ago, but by this point, the genre was already probably over a decade old, although, you know, when it really started might be debatable. But um, I think like there, yeah, the music is just one of many examples of the way this film sort of swerves a little bit away from what one might have expected from a noir film by that point. So yeah, first you have the music. The music is almost light. It's almost jaunty. It seems to stand stand out from what the tone of the film initially is until as it goes along, it does sort of blend in really well and it keeps you on your toes. But I also think um, another example is like the comedy. Like this, uh, noir films yes. are often known to be excessively dark or excessively serious. This one's really funny. It has a as it has a pretty quirky sense of humor, especially in the first half of the film. I think about the, the, the Callaway Callahan. Oh thing. yeah, so funny. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Like the 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 fist fight that he has with yeah that he has with Callaway yeah. and and, and uh, Sergeant Payne mm. in the beginning. There are like there are great lines early on, like. Um, 
think another line from Calloway is, you know, he says this to Holly Martin, you were born to be murdered, mm. which is just like a really funny, or, um, witty, a witty little joke. Yeah, or uh, goodness, that's awkward. Like when he talks about his friend being dead. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then and then and another really uh, important deviation I think and this could segue us into a, into another um topic is the character of Anishmind. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. one of the most famous uh tropes from the noir genre is the use of the femme fatale. So nearly all the classic noirs you'll have a female character who enters the scene and has is coming from a sort of potentially duplicitous, morally ambiguous background and seduces the protagonist and brings him into the other underworld and ultimately puts his life in jeopardy. And I think with Anna Schmidt's character, the one played by, I think her name is Alita Valley, she's kind of introduced as the potential femme fatale, but she's not trying to seduce um, Holly Martin at all. In fact, throughout the film, she's actually rebuffing his advances and saying like, I actually really don't care about you. Uh, I don't think about you yeah. at all when you're gone. And all I really care about is finding out what happened to Harry Lyme. And I'm not interested in pursuing anything with you romantically. And she's often, you know, yeah, she's kind of pushing him away throughout the film and trying to get him to leave her alone. And then that leads to the uh, the masterful final shot of this film, which I wondered if you guys, what you guys thought of. But that ending the yeah the the shot of her walking of, or walk, the shot of her yeah. that long wide shot of her mm-hmm. walking towards the camera then past him waiting for her by the motorcycle and then just walking yeah. on i mean uh, that's one of the like, all time one of the best shots of the 20th century for show yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I, I was actually wanted to talk about that shot because it's the only time i think that it's in daylight oh wait actually no 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 i'm <laughs> I fucked that up. I definitely fucked that. It wasn't the only time in the day daylight. But yeah, beautiful shots. Yeah, absolutely. Beautiful and it, shots, and that yeah. great thing where you'd expect in a film like this for them to sort of fall into each other's arms at one point or for her to maybe Hollywood end up with him, but then she just mm-hmm. she just walks straight past him. Mm-hmm. She just has no time for Well, him. that was like that was a huge dis- uh, disagreement between Snesnik Selsnik. Selsnik. Yeah, David O. Selsnik. Yeah, yeah. Carol yeah, and Carol Reed. One of them wanted like yeah. a Hollywood ending, and the other person was like, "Nah." And, that's and not that was that was this. an infamous uh, debate that um, that was had between a few films of that decade that didn't want to have a Hollywood romanticism added to the ending. Um, and this film managed. Yeah, I'm just doing weird things with my fingers now. But this film managed to actually <laughs> put that Hollywood and you know put put its foot down, put its foot down on Hollywood and say, no, I want this ending to be to to, to pay justice and to be right on on these characters. Because imagine, yeah, imagine uh, the ending wouldn't have been nearly as effective if if it hadn't turned out the way it did. Yeah, absolutely, and it's really interesting that it was actually in this case the Hollywood producer. Yeah. That was in favor of the darker ending. Then Graham Greene, the 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 screenwriter and the novelist, who's also happens to be one of my favorite authors, he wanted them to. He wrote the novella, the original novella, with them getting together at the end. Mm. And he so yeah, he quite seriously disagreed with the filmmakers. Yeah, apparently when he saw the finished result, he was like he was happy to admit in interviews afterwards that I was wrong. You know, mm. this was one hundred percent the the more suitable ending. Mm. Um. So there's so much to talk about here, but I feel like we should probably get into the questions, right? Yeah. I mean, this is one of those films that oh, you can just yeah. discuss. Wait, is there a... Dang. Sorry. No, no, wait. No, but no, that's right. We have a little bit more the time. Questions, to, the questions... To, 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 yeah. No, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We'll I'm kidding. also add conversation. Also, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, Look, trust me, there's a million more things I have to say, so I'm going to try and fit it into my answers. Mm. But uh, should we go into questions then or what? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. All right. Okay, cool. Um, all right. Okay, so... We have our first question here, uh, favorite scene. So, um, yeah, I feel like there might be some overlap between our answers, but we'll see. Um, uh, Jabril, you go first. Favorite scene? Yeah. <clears throat> okay, so mine is when uh, they meet M. Shit, I forgot his, <laughs> his name. Uh, Sergeant Payne. Sergeant Payne. Sergeant Payne. When, they, when, when he, like, notices him. I think it's just the first interaction between the cops and uh well, the, the, the british the british military it's when they're in the pub <laughs> yeah yeah when uh when bar. major calloway brings yeah. him over to that bar for a drink after yes. the funeral yeah. yeah yeah and i just love the 
the back and forth between all the characters and that he's like, oh, do you not know this guy? He's like a crazy author from like uh, <laughs> the U.S. And um, it was just it just put me at ease in the movie, because when I first started the movie, I was like, oh, OK, like time to time to time watch to this serious in. movie. And then and it wasn't that serious. Like, I honestly enjoyed the comedic bits so much in this movie. Mm. And that scene really set the stage for me to be like, ah, oh, it's is it very funny? <laughs> yeah, great, great, uh, yeah. great, like uh, first use of the Dutch angles yeah. in that scene, though. Yeah. Like bringing it in yeah. early, like yeah. when they're sitting at the table and Holly Martins is drunk and Major mm-hmm. Calloway's starting to, you know, you can see he's turning the tone of the conversation where it's starting to get serious, mm-hmm. and and <laughs> you just suddenly the cap that when you have that classic two shot between the two actors characters talking to to one another suddenly yeah. just uses this canted angle. And it just mm-hmm. throws the whole universe off into it, slightly off its axis, and it just mm-hmm. works so well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Raph? Uh, mine was the Orson Welles coming out of the shadows. Um, I feel like that is just... It was so impressionistic. Um, it, it, it was the introduction of Orson Welles as well, who for me I think steals the show as soon as he just like as soon as he makes his first appearance. It's 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 it reveals um, the whole plot twist. It's it, it, it pivots into a whole different story. Um, suddenly, the, the, you know, the, everything shifts. Um, and, and it's 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 the introduction to this. It's like the 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 little steps it goes to showing you Orson Welles. So like the looming shadow that's just stapled on the, on this Viennese um, backdrop building. Um, and then, you know, the, like the, the, the fainting score, the eeriness that's behind it. Um, and then you see Orson Welles come out of the shadow and you have that smile. And like, it gives me, it gave me so much um, yet. It's, it's so little at the same time. And I feel like that's when you know, okay, Orson Welles is here, folks. Orson Welles, Orson Welles. <laughs> um, and that's, yeah, it, it, it just, you know, you're thrusted into something other. That's when the film noir comes, like the film noir laid, laid its breadcrumbs and suddenly you're like, oh, fuck. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Great, great piece of mise-en-scene. Yeah. Great introduction for a character all time. Uh, yeah, so so my favorite scene is actually one that I'm surprised we haven't talked about yet. And that's the Ferris wheel scene between... Uh, oh, yeah. Hmm. No, no, I mean, we... Can... I thought you yeah, were going to say Oh, no, no, I'm I'm super... I'm, I mean, that is... I, for, to me, that's one of the best action scenes of all time. I mean, that might sound <laughs> right. ludicrous, but really, it really is. So I, 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 I'm also surprised that it's not my my top scene, although we haven't really discussed it in more detail. But yeah, anyway, for me, it has to be the Ferris wheel scene. Where you you this is after Harry Lyme's character is introduced for the first time, but it's the first time we get to actually talk to Orson Welles and let him do his thing. Mm. And uh, I should not have said thing; that was really embarrassing. But anyway, it's him and Holly Martin's on this Ferris wheel having this conversation where Holly Martin's knowing what he knows about what his his friend his old friend has been dealing with, starts to really press him, and Harry Lyme just reveals this completely callous, um, completely. Un- unfeeling, un- insensitive, just uh, sort of amoral worldview that really shocks us. But he he's so damn charismatic at the same time too. And also I love that scene because you have great bits like when Harry Lyme pointing at all the strangers on the ground mm. and he says, you know, he's asking his friend, look, you're, 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 you're claiming this higher sense of morality, but would you really care if any one of those dots stopped moving? I mean, it's a great, it's a great philosophical question. Mm. And at the same time too, Orson Welles' performance is so jovial, but it has this darkness underneath it. So when Holly says to, you know, when I think Holly open, when one of them opens the the latch door or the, the door on the Ferris wheel, and they're really high up, I think uh, Joseph Cotton's character, Holly Martin, says, you know, alludes to him maybe throwing him off or something like that. Like he starts gripping the mm-hmm. railing. And you see uh, Orson Welles' character doesn't deny that he's going to try and kill him. And it isn't until... Uh, Holly Martin says that he's already knows about the diluted um, penicillin. So, uh, so he, and he knows, oh, or something like that. Or he's, he, he's already told the police 
that his body is not the one that they buried at the funeral. So in that moment, you see Orson Welles suddenly realize, oh, I can't kill. There's no point to killing this guy because he's already given away my secret to the rest of the uh, authorities. Mm -hmm. So in that moment, he closes yeah. the door and he says, oh, why would I kill you? We're old friends. Don't be so dramatic. But you know, in that moment, he was considering throwing him off that Ferris yeah. wheel. It's just, ah, uh, and, and it's, so yeah, it's a it's a great little um a great little masterclass in dialogue that's not quite saying what it's it's not about uh saying what the characters necessarily are meaning on the surface, but it's all there as subtext. Mm. And also it that scene ends with one of the greatest quotes of all the like cinema lines of all time. Uh it's a bit of a long one, but I hope you guys won't mind if I just Please. repeat it on this Please. podcast. In in, in, um, in okay, so or finest. Uh, oh man, I well, really, I mean, really, you should be doing this, Ralph. You're our resident actor, but... Um, Go on. Can you do a decent Orson Welles impression? Uh, okay. I, I, right, maybe. Uh, I don't think so. No, I, I really don't think so. No, no. Um, okay, well, I'll... All right. Well, I'll give it a go. I'll give, give it, it a go. go. Give it a go. Uh, you were an actor right. once, too. Okay. <laughs> you know what the fellow said? In Italy, for 30 years under the Bourgeois, they had warfare, terror, murder, and bloodshed, but they produced Michelangelo, Leonardo da Vinci, and the Renaissance. In Switzerland, they had brotherly love. They had 500 years of democracy and peace. And what did that produce? The cuckoo clock. And he just... <laughs> and then he just turns away and, yeah. and exits, and it's just cuckoo such an incredible line. Yeah. line. Thank you. <clears throat> it's, a, it's, a speech, a it's a speech that's renowned um, for, for us actors and, and for, for, for cinephiles and for people that know this film, the, the, the cuckoo clock speech um, uh, that Orson Welles delivers, you know, Holly, I'd like to cut you in old man. You know, it's, it's, it's just, it's, it's so, it's so, yeah, it's, it's such a beautiful speech and he does it so, so, so finely. Yeah. All right. Next we have our favorite performance. Uh, Jabril, would you like to go first again? Yeah, sure. So for me, it's a very close toss-up between Sergeant Payne and mm. the Baron. Like the thing about the Baron is like he does such a good job at making you feel like he's like a slimy, just disgusting, like just mm. can't trust the guy. And then I just liked Sergeant Payne. Like I think his performance as that character was perfect. Like the just the facial expressions to communicate his like. I'm your friend, but I'm also here as a police mm. officer working for this guy. So I, I just don't know which one I would say is the best for me, but I like those two mm. like performances. They were just Ernst awesome. Dutch and maybe the Baron. I think and the Baron. Bernard Lee. Yeah, yeah, great, yeah. great performances yeah. from these guys, and they really yeah. highlight the humor that you liked from this film as well. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. definitely. Um, oh, brilliant choices. Yeah, yeah, great, fine choices. Uh, I'm, 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 I'm gonna. I'm just gonna go for the obvious and Orson Welles for me, like completely just takes it away. Um, I know he's regarded as, you know, one of the finest actors of all time. And this is just an incredible showcase for him. Um, and I think this is one of his most commanding performances. Um, and the fact that he only gets less than, again, less than 15 minutes on screen um, to do what he does. Um, and it's also really, um, amazing to see him and Joseph Cotton uh, work together because they are actually, uh, so Orson Welles founded this, um, this theater called the Mercury Theater um, and they worked together uh, in there in the 30s uh, and have worked several times in their respective careers. So it's just great to see them in this um, amazing showcase and this amazing, um, amazingly scripted, uh, finely produced, um, greatly shot film for both of them to like just completely um, excel in their in their in their careers and in their chemistry and in their relationship and just to see these two actors, yeah, yeah, do their thing. It's uh, what an amazing, yeah, what an amazing movie it is to to have both of these actors in. Yeah. Yeah, they uh they acted. To, I think for those of you who don't know, Joseph Conn played the. <clears throat> I think he plays the reporter in Citizen Kane. Yes, indeed. But yeah, but yeah, great uh great nod to Orson Welles, of course. Like you mentioned, you mentioned him as one of the regarded as one of the greatest actors of all time, but he didn't actually act in a lot. I mean, he didn't appear in a ton. You know, famously, True. Orson Welles kind of peaked really early with Citizen Kane, and he only acted in a handful of productions mm. after that but, but in um, theater you know as yeah. as regarded as a, as a theater actor um you know he did mm, stuff mm. like Macbeth, othello you know and and his theater company did um you know some great some great performances um with the mercury mercury theater group um 
So I think uh, as a theater actor, I, uh, yeah, I highly respect this, uh, this gentleman. Despite his, despite his pain in the ass, despite the fact that he might've been an asshole. A little, uh, a little side <laughs> note. There's a, uh, do yourselves a favor. If you ever want to chuckle, there's a, <laughs> there's a YouTube video of Orson Welles' outtakes from a French, I think, I believe it's a French wine advert that he did in the 70s oh. where he's just fucking drunk off his oh. ass on wine <laughs> and he's just like chatting shit in between takes it is really really funny um nice. uh, okay so yeah i'll say it quickly my favorite performance uh i mean i could have picked any one of the four or five leads but i'm gonna go with trevor howard as major calloway mm-hmm. uh i just think he's so crisp so refined yet so funny and and at the same time uh quite there's something quite pained and tortured about his character at the same time too mm-hmm. even though he has that classic brit he's the definition of the british stiff upper lip i mean I, I've, I've loved this actor for a long time he's really great in other films like um uh, another classic from the 40s um brief encounter mm-hmm. which is a beautiful film he's also in battle of britain he's in gandhi he's in mutiny on the bounty superman yeah 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 uh, but yeah, he's a he's an outstanding actor, and I loved him in this film. Mm. Okay, great. So the next question, the one that we always seem to struggle with, is what has aged the best? I'll um I don't mind going first please, if please if, yeah if, we, if you want me to kick this off. Yeah. Mm. Yep, I'm just gonna go with this is a bit of an obvious choice, but I'm gonna say the cinematography Damn. and the lighting. Uh, it's all right, Raph. This can be both our answers. It's fine. Um, I just yeah the 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 use of the 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 Dutch angles like we've mentioned several yeah, times. Yeah, I was gonna podcast. say that too. <laughs> yeah, the use the way it creates the play of light on light and shadow in Vienna mm-hmm. and in the interior scenes in this film. I just think it's one of the most beautiful films, visually speaking. Yeah, ever made. So yeah. Yeah, I think I think it's a unanimous one. Um, judging from how we're yeah. nodding our heads, um, I think just the. The askewed shots, the Dutch angles, uh, which were brought to life during the German expressionistic era uh, of film, which was uh, 20s to 30s. Um, uh, and then it carried on and film noir really used it to its potential. And I feel this film, I mean, uses it to just tell the story. You know, the mm. fact that it's disorientating, the fact that there's this this feeling of distortion between, between frames, between characters. It's such a good mm-hmm. use of... Of, of filmmaking it's such you know these prominent shots are just are just they they highlight everything that there is to say about um about the cinematography and about uh robert krasker's work um who they 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 won an oscar for for the, i mean yeah it, the oscar was won for cinematographer best cinematography so it makes sense yeah yeah great choice definitely i mean i don't think anything i, c- I can add to that other than it's inspired like the way movies are yeah. made now like you can see the way um countless i wouldn't say I, well i wouldn't know if it was noir or anything but a lot of action movies now use the the dutch angle and the yep. uh, the, the dolly swing i think or whatever yep. like something similar to the mm. to the dutch yeah. angle but yeah you can just see that it definitely has yeah. aged terry well. terry yeah. uh, gilliam yeah. is, yeah. is yeah. a notable and tim burton tim burton terry gilliam are notable directors that you Ka- n- mm. maybe not someone on the level of those directors you mentioned raf but uh kenneth Branagh. <laughs> yeah i remember when uh thor the first film came out there's a shit ton of dutch mm. angles in that film and that, everyone was like that's pretty much what i was thinking <laughs> yeah. <of. laughs> yeah and also uh michael bay i mean oh, again dude, maybe yeah. not the same yeah. Maybe not the kind of filmmaker you want to put on the level of a Carol Reed, but yeah, he loves his, in his Transformers films, he loves he to loves use his Dutch, his Dutch angles. angles. Maybe a little too much. Mm-hmm. He's a little bit Dutch drunk. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I like that. Um, all right. Okay. So age the worst. So I'm just going to say this up front. I, I wrote, I can't think of anything for this. Because I mean, okay, look, maybe I'll, maybe I'll leave this up to you guys, but maybe there are some, some in terms of, Maybe the politics, maybe it's not. There are some things that typically wouldn't have aged well in the intervening 70 years. I mean, it was accurate years. to the time. Yeah. But, uh, it was accurate to the time. I just think this film has aged like, um, like a fine like one. Part of the, uh, I, pardon the cliche. Yeah. yeah. I think for me, what I, it, it, this might not be what aged the worst, but it's something that I've noticed in noir genres is the femme fatale. Or the use of the femme fatale, mm. mm-hmm. and how maybe that, um, and I, I, 
I don't know if the movie Brick has kind of had a revisionist idea of the femme fatale or if movies um, of the 21st centuries that have used the genre noir have like re-envisioned the femme fatale um, idea or trope. But back then, it was always very much at the mercy of the woman or the woman is this or the woman is... It's like between... Um, it's the oh the sorry tapping, tapping of, of the hands. hands sorry <laughs> uh, yeah that's I can't tap my hands because they will just get it on the recording so I will not do that anymore um, but yeah I think the the use of of the of the woman the use of the femme fatale and I think the use of that word I don't know something about that word for me never like quite resonated or never not resonated but never quite. Um, had a landing because it's yeah, it's almost derogatory. I don't know. It, well, no, it, no, no. The fem. I mean, the fem. The fem fatale. There's no two question. There's no question about it. The fem fatale does play on fairly malicious, outdated stereotypes yeah. about women, about the mm-hmm. female sex. So that that many women are just yeah. That many women are just using would be using their sexual feminine wiles to seduce men into pull them away from their moral obligation mm. and mm-hmm. for their own ends that they're duplicitous that they are just conniving so yeah no 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 question about it it's a fairly um outdated mm. uh, archetype but, but like what I, what, but I, what I what I mentioned earlier mm. yeah no no, I, no, no there's ahead. also something empowering about um if it's used in within the right context if it's used to drive the story into mm-hmm. a, into, a, into a particular place to maybe fool men then you're using yeah. femme fatale um, to to empower the woman um, of the story, not just to make her like duplicitous, yeah. conniving, and you know, yeah. Well, yeah, ma- there's yeah. like the oversexualization of these um, femme yeah. fatale kind of characters, especially if you go later on into like I guess the USSR kind of like movies where they're because in the USSR they did have agents who were. Mm female and their main way of getting into like let's say agents of the west would be to use their sexuality and like but it's the over sexualization i think in most movies from from that era that yeah i have a problem especially when it's as a but not with this movie yeah i don't know with this movie i I don't don't know that's why like i it's not for me it's not a gripe against what the what there is in the movie, it's just a gripe against the trope of the femme fatale. The yeah. genre. Yep, yep, yep. Mm-hmm. But I think we can all okay. we can all agree that uh, this film does a pretty good job of not necessarily falling into the same traps with yeah. the femme fatale. Because yeah. we mentioned mm-hmm. earlier on, Anna, Anna Schmidt's character is not no. at all interested in trying to seduce or trick anyone. She's mm-hmm. just trying to get by yeah. and survive. She's trying to survive. Yeah, um, totally. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, all right. So then we'll just finish up yep. with our. Well, wait, is there any. Well, ad- I still have to give you. Oh, a- yeah. Sorry. My, my apologies. Yeah. Go ahead. So it's a bit of an unpopular opinion, I think. Um, it's going to be an unpopular one. But I think what aged the worst was that little sewage scene thing. I thought it was pretty comical. That was one of the only times where I was like, oh, this is going on for too long. Like the, the whole chase in the sewers and stuff. It looked very much the same throughout the entire sequence. You could tell that they were reusing like just different shots of the same passageways and stuff. And for me, I just don't think it holds up anymore, in my opinion. I just I thought the pacing was kind of bad. I thought it was just like very like you know like British style comedy. No, like that one. Yeah, yeah. Or do you mean like Benny Hill? What? Benny Hill. Yeah. Wow, that's. I mean, that's. You know, we were gonna, we were gonna, we we didn't talk about it, but now we are. But in that way, which is yeah. Well, I'm bringing it up, so we have to. It's fantastic. No, I'm. I'm really sorry. I I I almost made you skip past that. That. I mean, you're wrong, and I disagree with you, and I hope you're burning hell. But um. It's good that we're talking about ice, but you know that's a take. That's a take. Um. No, I mean, I think that. That sequence is, I mean, sure, maybe it goes on a little longer than it needs to, but I just think it's what works so well about it is that I don't think they're just reusing the same sets as if to pretend that they're literally 
different part that there are different parts of the sewer system that they're just trying mm-hmm. to repurpose. I think you keep shooting the same parts because he has to often tread back. Like if you actually plot out his movements, Orson Welles' character's movements and the movements of the police that are chasing after him, he has to mm-hmm. often track back because he he keeps going to different exits and finds that they're already covered or that there's somebody already coming for him. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I I was just on the edge of my seat throughout it, and I think it also just mm-hmm. looks gorgeous. I mean, you have so many shots that if you just Google the mm-hmm. sequence, you'll you'll see little great screenshots. Yeah. Um, it's also the poster. Yeah, no, Raph, what do you but think? See, you're wrong. <laughs> you're wrong. Like for me, it was just very funny. It just because those are the kinds of things that I like to pay attention to those stupid details where i'm like this does not make any sense of how it works and like geographically like if there was a blueprint of what those sewers look like like in my mind at least i'm like this just doesn't didn't make sense interesting yeah, yeah. so i disagree with that <laughs> i mean well raf what do you think i mean the best part of the are it, you, it was the best you, part of, you... it was the best part of the film for me um i mean yeah. I'm, I'm 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 with ollie on this and um but I also love Jabril's take, and I, I know that that's an opinion. Um, which, hey, man, we gotta have friction at the end of the day. Um, but, 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 but for me, cinematically, it's it's so beautifully shot. I mean, it's literally the shot of the poster. Um, it, it, it's it, it it paints. It, 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 it. Again, it's it's horse. You know what it's it reminds up. me of? <laughs> it reminds me of. Uh, the second Harry Potter movie where he gets chased by the snake in the sewers. Oh, of Hogwarts. Yeah. It's just a way better way. Better. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there, and then there's that comparison. <laughs> but, but, but Hey, maybe that, how dare you, Jabril? Maybe, it inf- maybe Harry Potter and Chamber of Secrets was influenced by the third man. Who knows? Christopher Columbus might've just been like, Hey, let's use something from the third man. I think it will go great in the sequence. Um, I just think that it's, yeah, it's, it's such a, it's, it's a claustrophobic, um, uh, action set piece that, 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 that really drives to a, such a satisfying conclusion at the end when he has to, when he gives the nod to Joseph Cotton and he's like, just do it, kill me. Like, you know, he gets shot and, ah, uh, it's, it, it has so many, um, incredible moments. And I think these what you're talking about with the same shots it's it's him backtracking so you're he's he's trapped he's trapped there's this a sense of entrapment yep. he's a he's a he's a rat being chased yeah. out in a tunnel yeah absolutely I'm scurrying, and scurrying that, 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 from like oh and i and i yeah absolutely and that whole time he keeps running even though you feel like he knows more and more with each passing second mm. like there's no way out of this i'm i'm fucked no. but he keeps running because He's just yeah. He's a. He's a at I, that point, he's nothing more than a yeah. rat trying to survive. And, and that scene of him going to yeah. the the grates, and just like his his hands are reaching towards the gutters. Yeah, freedom. Yeah. And you realize he's gonna die in the sewers. You yeah. know, he's gonna die, on he's gonna die in the tunnels, under the ground. I just never got that sense of like worry. Mm. I don't know. Yeah. It it seemed like for me that what I got was like an like overconfidence that he knew that but he was going to get his out. confidence then dwindles, right? Like he does start confident. You're like thinking, okay, he's going to yeah. get out of here. It's fine. He knows his way. He knows his way. Yeah. That's, he's been surviving through the sewers. That's how he's been like, you know, mm. um, masquerading around Vienna. And that's how he's been like, um, you know, keeping on the DL. He's, he's been using these sewers and suddenly these sewers are no longer his allies, but are his enemies. Mm. And suddenly all these tunnels are just closing in on him. And every exit is is a non-exit. Right. Oh yeah, yeah. Anyways, we can go on. Yeah. We can go on and on. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, yeah, so, we can go on mi- forever. Mystery question. Ollie? Mystery, yeah. Yeah, mystery question. All right, okay. So I wrote this a while ago, so I'm not sure if this is gonna inspire much conversation, but it could be Just an easy one. It. So do you guys think yeah, Do you think Harry planned to kill Holly on the Ferris wheel? I and I, I didn't really think about it honestly. I thought it was more to do with like uh, Holly's like shock as to his, seeing his friend become like someone he didn't know. Yeah, yeah. You know, like his image of what it was supposed to be his like best friend or something. Uh, his old school. They were like best friends in school. Right. They, they were like old the, school yeah, friends, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. Which one could assume? One yeah. Could so assume it's best friend. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So I, I never really thought of like the whole I'm gonna like push you off the thing, like push you off mm. the Ferris wheel. 
I don't know. I never really thought of that. I never really thought yeah. of that thought process. Yeah. What do you guys think? I think so. I think by that point, Orson Welles' character just gone and was too far gone. Yeah. But it's ambiguous for a reason. Mm. So there's no, in my opinion, there's no straight answer. But yeah, yeah. there's no way to know. Yeah. It's but it's one of those things, right? That 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 it, it's part of of the genre, right? That whole moral ambiguity, mm -hmm. right? I think it, it's left there for a specific reason, and the fact that we don't really know makes you want to have that conversation, which which is why we're having this conversation right now, which is. I find this the best thing about movies like this is you keep the conversation going because of these moments. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, I guess that will wrap us up. Uh, so next yeah, we do is... That was, that was awesome. Oh, yeah, great conversation. So should we do um, mm. ratings and then, Jabril, you can take us away. Indeed. All right, so should I go first or who wants to go first with the go ratings? Go for it, man. Oh, yeah. Yeah, be our guest. All right. I'm going to say, um, I'm going to go with a 7.8 fake passports. Oh, nice 10. one. Nice one. Uh, Raf? Yeah. With passports, papers. Let's say. I am going to go with, uh, I was going to say this, but this is going to be, be very confusing. I'm going to go with nine third men out of 10. <laughs> <laughs> nine nine third mans out of ten nine, third mans. <laughs> nine third men out of ten third mans. Uh brilliant. I love it. Okay. Well um yeah, I mean you guys knew how much I like this film, so oh. my answer probably won't be surprising. For me this is a ten out of ten stray alley cats. <laughs> ding 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 Boom. ding ding. Alright, okay. Yep. Wow. That's it. Alright, so on that note, I hope you guys are ready for the next one. Blade Runner. Yeah, yeah. Blade Runner, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, that one's I'm super, Stoked. super excited for that one. Oh, I mean we're gonna have to um, we're gonna have to carve yeah. out like fifteen minutes just for Jabril to talk about the Vangelis score. Yeah. Totally. totally. Oh dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> Alright. Well, without further ado, you guys know what's gonna happen. You guys know what's coming. Don't forget to like, share, subscribe. Spotify now allows you to rate podcasts. So please give us a rating on Spotify. That would that. really help us. Yeah. It would help people find us. Yeah, it's it's you can get ratings on Spotify now. But it really helps other people find our podcast. You know, this is episode 42. Guys, episode 42. Hope you guys are happy about that. Thank you for listening. Please tell your friends and um yeah, ciao for now. Thank you guys for being on the show. Welcome to 2022. Hey guys, if you like the show, don't forget to follow us on social media. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at The Movie Newbie, and you can also search The Movie Newbie on Medium for really cool spoiler-free reviews. So, catch you in the next episode. Till next time, guys. Enjoy.